Well, glory to God. Call this the new wine realm? Why not? It's cool. That's the new fad in Christianity. I want to get drunk on Jesus. I want to get high on God. Tell me about the bliss and the ecstasy. Oh, we will. We'll get to it. Hallelujah. First, we're going to give you some religion. Yeah, I gave you some do's and don'ts for your brain, puff you up in pride a little bit, and then smack you with the wine press of the wrath of the Almighty. No, I'm just kidding. It's always been wine from the beginning. That's the only thing Christ ever served mankind from the very beginning. I mean, that's Melchizedek and Abraham. That's uh, Joshua and Caleb in the Promised Land, Jurassic-sized wine grapes. It was man's idea to ever serve anything else. God has only ever served man a cup of new wine for 6,000 years. That's always been God's redemptive plan, as having a drink of His glory and rising from the realm of the religious dead. And that's exactly what it is. It's the realm of the religious dead. It's a realm that says you have to earn your salvation by works, and there's a pressure of performance of the law on your head to look good and be good. But how many of y'all know that's Satan? Yep, that's the devil. God's answer is not any works, but grace through faith. Amen. Grace through faith. And so you're saved by grace, and grace is a liquid. It's a liquid. It's an oil of joy. Every time salvation's mentioned, 100% of the time in the Bible, it's in the oil and it's in the wine. And guess what? There's no salvation outside the oil and wine. No one grumpy is operating out of the salvation realm of oil and wine. You can live in the wine cellar. You know, the name for the kingdom of heaven in Song of Solomon 2.4 is called the house of wine. Real Christianity started in the cup of the new covenant, the last supper. This is the cup of my blood. Drink it. Drink it. Song of Solomon 5.1 fulfilled in the last supper. Be drunk with love, the blood of His love. You can drink the blood of His love. The new wine is the love of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins so that you have no more consciousness of self, no more self-protection, self-promotion. All the self-consciousness is completely burned off of you when you drink the blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins is the removal of self-awareness. Sin is being aware of yourself. People are like, I'm not a sinner. Are you self-conscious? Are you still aware of your physical body? Then you're still walking in sin. That's what sin is. People are like, oh, I don't sin. You don't do anything overtly evil. The Pharisees were like that. You know, they tried to be good in the flesh, but no matter what, if you're still in the flesh and aware of your body, that's what sin is. What is sin called in the Bible? Falling short of the glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So God's answer is not being good in the flesh. No one's good in the flesh. You know, you're oh, a good prodigal. You're an older prodigal. Luke 15, you're a goat boy. Or you're a bad prodigal. You're a bad boy. You're a calf boy. But Jesus Christ called them goats and calves. You're a goat. You're a good goat. Good flesh. Flesh is a goat. Flesh is a calf and a goat. The flesh counts for nothing, John chapter 6. We're trying to clean up our flesh. God's trying to develop our spirit by putting the Word in. God's trying to write His commandments on our hearts, on the tablet of our spirit man, so that our hearts burn like the bright morning star, and we're totally restored 
from the curse above the snake line. That your spirit be higher than your soul and your soul be higher than your body. You're coming into a place where you're not even going to be aware of time and space. And it's all about your spirit receiving the Word of God. You're not going to grow one inch as a tree of life and a planting of the Lord in the Garden of Delight except by eating the Word. It's your daily bread. Daily bread. You can always tell these fake, false, phony mystics by their lack of appetite for the Word. Jesus is the Word. You don't get more mystical than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the door to the Father. All spiritual experiences apart from the sheep gate are illegitimate. They're called thieves and robbers. And they're everywhere. Everywhere. You have to get a feast of the Word. That's the feast of the New Covenant. It's also called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb because when you finally learn how to feast, guess what happens? Luke 15, you go into the Father's realm of glory and you learn how to eat and you learn how to drink. You learn how to feast. That is how you overcome the brain and the flesh. Every day. How do I overcome battlefield of the mind? Everyone's read the book, Joyce Myers. Battlefield. Well, how do you overcome the battlefield? Jesus told you clearly in Luke 15 that you had to kill the goat, kill the calf, and enter the feast. If you ever stop feasting on the word or the river, you will leave the river. You will leave the realm of glory. You'll come out of the glory and go back into the witchcraft of the flesh. So you got Jezebel's carnal Christianity of the flesh, where it's all witchcraft, death, and false signs and wonders, and false mysticism, and it's a hundred billion dollar ministry, and everyone loves that watered down stuff because you can still cling and retain control in your brain. You can still be a carnal Christian in Jezebel's Christianity. You can still be a carnal Christian talking about all the bliss, talking about all the ecstasy, and watered down ecstasy, watered down bliss, all this crap, but it doesn't cost you your brain until you start heavily drinking. And then wisdom kills her beasts. Wisdom kills the mark of the beast. Wisdom kills the animal nature of you being a simple mammal operating out of the brain instead of, instead of an angel-like son of God operating out of the glory realm in your belly. John 7:38. out of your belly will flow rivers. Who operates in rivers? When you got rivers, it's almost impossible for you to complain about anything. It's literally a miracle if you're negative. You couldn't complain and be negative. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to sin when you realize the rivers, when you realize the glory. Colossians 1.27 is talking only about realizing the rivers, the rivers of His glory. Realizing the third heaven in Luke 17.21. Realizing the kingdom dimension of the house of wine, the wine cellar and the treasure house of the silver, gold, and gemstones in the spirit in your belly. Every time God works, He works through your spirit. Most Christian leaders don't even know where their spirit is. They don't even know where their soul is. They don't even understand the plumbing of the new covenant. They're living out of the Levitical old covenant, doing the works mentality Christianity, salesmen writing books. When are you going to write your next book? 19 books later, no one has realized the glory. I mean, I look at it every single day. That's accurately the situation. No one's mad at them. It's just, come on, guys. Let's, let's stop talky-talky. Let's start walky-walky. Let's go into the river and die to self and live to Christ. That's when you come into the place of unity of the brethren, when you realize we all got the same rivers of glory coming out of our belly. But if you haven't realized the glory, you'll be at envy and strife with everyone like animal packs. It's called divisions and factions. 
envy and strife in animal packs according to the brain. That's not Christianity. Galatians chapter 5 says that's Satan. That's the divisions and factions of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the flesh. The fruit of the flesh is death. We want to stay away from death. How do you stay away? You keep your brain underwater. It has nothing to do with your soul. has nothing to do with your personality. We don't even care about your tribe. We don't care about your little clique. I mean, that's great. You know, you fit in where you want to, and that's cool. You'll make friends. But when you're underwater, many fish swimming together, Ezekiel 47 in the river of life. The, fl- the fish are like, hey, this is my water. You know, we're like, we're all underwater. I don't care if you're a whale shark or a minnow. We're in the same water, and you're going to be drunk and happy. Some people are whale sharks in the spirit. That's their destiny. When you're a minnow and say, I'm a minnow, I'm going to be just as happy as the whale shark because I'm, I'm still in the same water. There's no envy and strife underwater in the glory. And there's only en- envy and strife if your head is above water and you're still in control of your life trying to figure it all out. It's sin. It's wickedness. It's religion. It's accuser of the brethren down syndrome because it keeps you down in the dust of the earth and you want to throw dust on everyone. Comparisons. You're just comparing how spiritual you are to them. How many signs and wonders did I have to them? Listen, John the Baptist never had a single sign and wonder. Jesus Christ said he was the most spiritual man in the entire Old Covenant. How did the, the man that never had a single sign and wonder Jesus Christ, out of his mouth, said he was more spiritual than Moses and Elijah. That he was the greatest prophet that had ever lived, and he never had a because he was in the river. He didn't have anything to prove. He wasn't out there. I mean, it's and Moses and Elijah didn't have anything to prove either. They're mighty men of God. It's just oftentimes we're looking on the outside, and the Father's seen the inside. And if you're all rock solid on the inside and it's the angel of the Lord, that your spirit man is built up of God the Father on the inside and your wings are covering the whole earth and no one can see what you look like in the spirit because it's all blind leading the blind and they're judging by the external realm. They're judging by the flesh. They're looking at the soul. They're looking at the brain. Listen, they're all blasphemers. John the Baptist didn't care. He was so overtaken with righteousness, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, the Bible says, that he had nothing to prove, which means his brain was controlled by the river the whole time. He was in the river spiritually, and he was in the river physically. You need to, you need both. If you just have the river spiritually and not all the glory naturally, you'll get frustrated. Hallelujah. They tried to deny him his inheritance so that John the Baptist had to live off of wild honey and locusts. How many of y'all know the most spiritual man in Israel should have been in the king's palaces? That that was unjust. And Herod ended up chopping his head off the wickedness of the world and the power and the false power and the false authority and the false government in the world ended up cutting off the most spiritual man in the world's head. Wow. That's not going to happen this time around the mountain. We're going to chop off the head of the beast, chop off the head of the red dragon, chop off the head of Jezebel. The horses are loose to trample her underfoot. It's time to live above the realm of the dead and no longer lose to Herod and the Pharisees, which is all the ability of the flesh. Most of us just don't have enough revelation to overcome he who's in the world. We want to, we mean well, but we don't feast enough. We're underfed, we're malnourished. You can have all the good intentions of the world and still lose to Satan all the time. Most Christians have. 
Very few, almost no Christians that have ever lived have ever overcome the world. It's the rarest thing. An overcomer operating in the Revelation 2 and 3 overcomer's gifts. Nearly no Christian that's ever lived has walked in any of those gifts. How many know? How many Christians you know operate in the morning star or even talk about the morning star or even know what the morning star is? How many Christians are letting their spirit develop and burn through their brain, counting their flesh as nothing, only the brightness of the Word of God in their spirit? How many Christians are even having these conversations? I mean, it's the rarest thing. But that's where we're going. We're going to have to go here in order to overcome the Great Tribulation. To come out of the Great Tribulation, you're going to have to have no mixture with the world. You're not going to be able to have the seven principalities of the seven mountains in your spirit. You can't have weeds growing up alongside with the Word of God. He's a jealous, consuming fire. He wants your spirit all to himself. Paul says, I have served God with my whole spirit. No mixture. No religion, no rebellion, no do's and don'ts, no jannies and jambres, no knowledge of good, knowledge of evil. Hallelujah, just the river. There's no sorcery in the river. God has made this thing so easy. In John's Gospel, in 1 John, in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John simply said it's as easy as drinking. Drinking, drinking, drinking. You're never going to figure it out. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, Listen, you're not going to figure it out. The carnal mind can't comprehend the things of the Spirit. It is written. You cannot figure it out. You have to take a leap of faith, every degree of glory. Getting saved is entering the glory, having a drink of the glory. That's salvation. You drank the blood of Jesus. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and He filled you with new wine. New wine for new wineskins. But how many of y'all know the new wine has no cap? And we haven't tested how drunk we can get in the glory. The Gideon's 300, chosen by how they drunk, how much they drunk, how wildly they drunk, how drunk they got when they drunk, how much light they let shine when they drunk. All they did to defeat all the enemies in Gideon's 300 was let their light shine. They let their lamps shine. They were full of oil from the drinking. You're drinking the anointing. You're drinking the tree of life. You're drinking the fresh oil. You're drinking God's glory. And you're letting your spirit so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven? And then they made noise. They had fun, and they let their light shine. That was the evangelism of Gideon's 300. And they destroyed all the enemies of God in their whole generation. Gideon's 300 is this generation. The leadership of the body of Christ has always been the big drinkers. And if you're not a big drinker, time to start. There is no revival except in the river. What's going to hit people is not this idea. Listen, what, what are you going to do? you going to contain the river in your building? Oh my gosh, it's the worst time ever to be a church planner. Absolute war. You could not be born in a worse generation because the days of Noah are upon you. We're going to drown your pyramids. We're going to drown all buildings made by human hands. This thing will go wild society-wide. It'll be 24-7, 365, discipling cities, discipling nations. Just like in the days of Noah, you go underwater. In a submarine, there's pyramids of cities. Every single city that was destroyed in the days of Noah had a pyramid in it. They're practicing sorcery. They're practicing wickedness. So if we're practicing sorcery, if we're practicing religion, which is wickedness, we're living out of our carnal mind instead of the river of life, it's going to be drowned. There shall be no more buildings made by human hands. It's important because it puts a cap on your head. Even a cap of God's presence and a cap of the gifts of the Spirit the cap of his abilities so that we separate our Christianity from society. 
We separate church from state. How many of y'all know that's demonic? That's evil. That's wickedness. That's a Freemason Masonic idea of George Washington, a 32nd degree Freemason servant of Satan. The founding fathers were 52 different Freemasons, Luciferians. And you can say that. It was a mixture. It was carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity is Luciferian. That's why you have such a Luciferian form of Christianity in America and worldwide. It's Roman Catholic influence in Christianity. Where's the river? Why do they still treat the river like some kind of strange thing and they attack it? It's because of the influence of satanic, false, Jezebelic Christianity. It has touched everyone. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you have a little religion, it completely shuts you down from knowing the river inside. You can't have mixture and overcome the world. One fly in the ointment ruins the perfume, Ecclesiastes. It is written, you need to be clean. You need to stay clean. White garments, new garments every day. And if you messed up yesterday, he gives you new white garments every morning. White linen. Amen. The priests of the Old Covenant, they'd be covered in the animal sacrifice, sign the goat, sign the sheep, everything covered in blood, covered in, in the animal sacrifice every day. But the next day, white linen, white garments. His mercies are new every morning. You can start over fresh. You can start over in the wine. Doesn't matter about yesterday. Everything yesterday is washed away when you drink today. It's called the forgiveness of sins, the healing of the times, the restoration of all things. Doesn't matter about what you did in your past. You drink today, your past is healed, your heart is healed, your soul is healed, and the angels begin to work in the new wine. They're the servants of the Lord Jesus. And if you start drinking the Lord Jesus' blood, which is the glory of God, they'll start serving you because you have Jesus in you. If you're serving a religious Jesus, you're only going to work with the fallen angels. If you're serving an external Jesus, you're only going to work with Satan and his angels. If you serve Christ in you and you realize the glory, then you have all the angels of Mount Zion rising as chief of all the mountains in the last days. Where does Mount Zion rise? I have seen Mount Zion. Inside my belly is a mountain of burning fire. You can too. You have Mount Zion in you. That pebble of Daniel chapter 4 has grown to be the largest of the mountains in the last days. Listen, guys, that was like 2,500 years ago, Prophet Daniel saw the pebble. 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth is that pebble. God sowed the rock of ages, the maker of heaven and earth, the word of God, into the earth, into the bloodlines, into the hearts of the nations, so that everyone that believes upon the Messiah can have the mountain of the Lord, Mount Zion, rise inside their hearts and overtake their souls so you can live in heaven on earth. God is a mountain. God Himself is Mount Zion. That's God the Father. Hallelujah. Moses walked up Sinai, but in the Spirit He was walking up God the Father. And then he met the Son of God on the mountain of fire, the burning man, Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. We have the same experiences constantly now. The, the least in the kingdom is greater than the greatest in the, in the old covenant, meaning you have all of that experience inside your spirit. And we're looking for it on the outside. We're looking for signs and wonders. We're looking for all this stuff to, for our soul. When, we, our, when our soul needs to realize it's all in Christ. It was even in Christ in the Old Testament. Their experiences in the Old Testament were nothing compared to the first time you're born again. The first moment you're born again is greater than all the Old Covenant combined. 
It's the fulfillment of all prophecy that Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, the word of our living Father, lives inside our spirit. And when we believe upon it, we experience it through our soul and we live in the ecstasies of God. It's all about faith. Getting your faith authored and your faith perfected. Hallelujah. And there's great grace every step of the way. If you don't have perfect faith, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even if you're infants in Christ, enjoy it. Enjoy the river. Enjoy learning about grace. Enjoy learning about the forgiveness of sins. Enjoy learning everything. Enjoy reading the Bible. There is no pressure to be perfect or to perform because He is our perfection. He is our performance. All you need to learn how to do is practice the presence of God, which means learn how to enjoy Him. If we don't know how to enjoy Him, we don't know anything about Christianity. Because it's truly hedonism, being restored to the garden of pleasure, the garden of Eden. Amen. It's all about learning how to practice the presence of God, which is praying without ceasing. There's no rituals. There's no, this is my Christian time. This is my prayer time. This is my non-prayer time. How many of y'all know the Bible says pray without ceasing? How do you, because when you're in the river, you're in prayer. When you're in the presence, you're in prayer. It's 24-7-365. When you sleep, you're praying. Because your spirit's awakened to love and there's a river coming out of your belly. You wake up refreshed because the river never stops flowing. There's a river flowing out of you. Amen. Every single one of you needs to realize the river to come out of the dry place of the captivity of the fallen angels who have your minds captive by religion. Some of you captive by rebellion, but mostly captive by religion. Rebellion is nothing. Rebellion is a byproduct of religion. Once you realize the river, your mind comes out of captivity of the dry place, which is Egypt, trying to earn your salvation by works, looking good, doing good. When you cut yourself off from salvation, which is the river in you, and you come into Galatians 3.1 bewitchment, having begun in the river, trying to finish in the brain by doing good and looking good and knowing good stuff. That ain't God. That's Satan. That's what tempted Eve to die in the beginning. That's what killed man in the beginning. The same things that killed the Christians today. Come on. So we need to repent with all of our souls and return to the river and let Christ be our Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Christ will do all the works as you yield your mind to Him. And there's no pressure to perform. There's no pressure to evangelize. The river is your evangelist. What are you going to get them saved into anyway? If your brain's in the dry place and you're witnessing to people, are you going to bring them into a pyramid? Are you going to bring them into some dry place? Turn them into twice the sons of hell that your souls are under the fallen angels and Jezebel and false Christianity? If you're not bringing them into the river, 0% of what you're doing is even Christianity. There'll be no good fruit from it long term. They'll get sour-minded. They'll become Pharisees. They'll put do and do, do's and don'ts on people's heads. They'll say, if you don't believe the same doctrine as me, you're going to hell. Maybe not that extreme, but like that. They'll be opinionated. They'll have certain strange doctrines that if you disagree with, you can't be their brother and sister. You notice how weird it gets apart from the river? The further you are from the river, the dumber, weirder, stupider, and more religious and, and death it becomes. The more dead they are. It's literally the place of the grave. Religion is Egypt in the realm of the dead. It's necromancy. Anytime you practice Christianity out of the brain that's not sourced in the river, you're actually practicing necromancy. You're practicing the realm of the dead. Religious spirits are the spirits of the dead. There is nothing in, in death except religion. That's what death is. And that's what almost every single one of you continuously wrestle against. 
the temptations to practice death, which is performance of the brain to look good and do good and try to earn your salvation. There's no earning salvation. There's only drinking salvation. Behold the cup of the new covenant. Drink it, drink it, drink it. Be drunk on love and let His grace rise in you and lift your souls. He's the lifter of your souls. How do you raise your soul up from the realm of the religious dead? By drinking the river. And your mind awakens to His goodness and it's the goodness of the Father that leads you into a higher realm of glory, which is actual repentance. Living in a higher glory, glory to glory, every day by drinking in the river. And the river is full of fun and freedom and it's never boring. It's always thrilling. It's always ecstatic. You'll have the funnest, most fulfilling experiences every single day of your life. You'll not have one dull moment. You come out of the river, you get bored, you get into secret sin, you, you'll never fulfill your destiny out of, outside the river. You get into the river, you, you stay childlike, you stay free, you stay fun, and the deeper you go in the river, the more you'll demonstrate the Father's goodness and kindness, and sometimes His severity too, because this, this river is serious in dealing with the death of religion. For God so loved the world that He wants no one to perish and everyone to come to eternal life, and it's only in the river, so when you don't receive the river and you don't drink the river, guess what happens? God's coming after you with living waters. He's coming after you with wine. There's a wine press of the wrath of the Almighty towards death. The wrath of the Almighty is towards the religious death that keeps your mind separated from the river in your own belly. After you're born again, you get a river. Come to me and drink and out of your belly will flow rivers and there's a spring of the water of life at the woman at the well. She was drinking natural water. Jesus gave her supernatural glory water. He gave her the water of the third heaven. There was a well that welled up in her heart unto eternal life. There's a spring with your name on it that your mind doesn't know about. And if your mind has been drinking out of the well of your salvation, guess what? You keep drinking every day. It's a one-step formula. The new covenant. It's a cup. It's called drinking. It's the river. In the river is the word, the blood, and the, and the spirit. And you can drink as much as you want and get as saved as you want and rise as high in the spirit as you want and go from glory to glory until you're covering nations with the glory by drinking the river of life. That's how it was in the beginning. Adam and Eve weren't super intellectuals. They were super spiritual but because they had the fullness of the river coming through their hearts and their brain didn't resist it. They got cut off from the river when they got into their brain, started practicing sorcery. He started practicing religion, started practicing rebellion, Cain murdering Abel. It's all about coming out of the carnal mind. To be absent from the flesh is to be present from God. How many of y'all know your brain is the only flesh the New Testament talks about is flesh? And if we don't bring our brain to the altar to burn it, well, are we not trampling the Golgotha skull hill sacrifice underfoot, living by our ability instead of the river's ability? Are we not enemies of Christ? Because we got bewitched by Jezebel. And so we have to repent, go back into literal New Covenant Christianity, and start letting the river riverify us in riverfication. There's a riverfication. Christianity is all about being riverfied. And you can grow in the river, your mind gets renewed to the river, and it's the abilities of the Father. Revelation 22, I saw the throne of God and the Lamb and the river proceeding from the throne. It's crystal clear and sparkling. And it, that's what happens to your brain. It becomes crystal clear and sparkling and all the goodness of the Father comes out of you and everything that comes out your mouth is creative. Effortless. You don't need a special abracadabra, magic potion. And every time you, come, you speak, it comes out your mouth and it's creative. Be healed. Instant. Healed. 
healed, healed. And if that person is getting washed in the river and there's no demons in them blocking them from receiving the word in their heart, it's instantaneous. So you can wash them and then speak to them. But if it's outside the river, if you speak to them, they usually can't receive it because they're full of the dry place spirits. So you have to wash them first. The great harvest is first being washed, then being spoken to. They're washed, then spoken. That's how Jesus ministered. He washed everyone, and then they were able to receive the word because they've been washed in his rivers first. Amen. People can't receive a word because it's hard to get the bread down without the wine. The wine is so necessary. You have to intoxicate the earth in order for them to eat the bread. People will reject the bread. They hate the bread. They're good on their own. They're full of their textbooks. They got every book in the world except the Bible inside their heart. But when you wash them in the water, and then they receive the word. It's the water and the word. It's the river of life. Amen. Cleanse every heart. Cleanse every mind. Crystal clear and sparkling. And let them receive the thunder of God, the strong prophetic voice of the river of life today, Father. And let all their hearts be built up with the living word into higher realms of freedom and glory and healing and prosperity. And let everyone see the good fruit on their tree coming through their soul out of their heart soil and eat the fruit off their tree and let it multiply in revival harvest of the fruitfulness of the Garden of Eden through the sons and daughters of the living God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Donate at redletterman.com and be blessed. We will see you on Sunday. Or Saturday. Yes, Sunday. We're going to Phoenix tomorrow for a three-day revival vacation. Penny and I down in Phoenix. We'll be at the AC Marriott Wiltmore. Biltmore. AC Marriott Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. Tomorrow night we'll post information on our website or on our, our Facebook and on our page. Join us in Phoenix if you're in the Phoenix area the next three days. Our friend uh, Jim Samuelson is hosting Charlie Robinson. It's going to be crazy. We're going to get so drunk. We're going to have so much fun. So we'll be in Phoenix the next three days. We'll come back. We'll do a broadcast Sunday night. So we'll see you August 11th. We love you guys. Be blessed. Amen.